Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, I want to give you some New Testament power verses that are full of authority. Uh, have you been thinking about authority any this week? Been thinking anything about authority? How'd you get in the parking lot tonight? Uh, I had a man walk out in the street, put his hand up, and stop a car with his hand. Now, that's authority, right? That could have been an 18-wheeler coming through there, and he would have put that hand up, and that old 18-wheeler, and stop, you know? Because behind that hand is more than just a man. Behind that hand is a force. And what we're talking about tonight is how to be under the authority of God so that when you speak and you do things, you got power and you got boldness, and the world looks at you and says, whoa, what's going on with them? That's what they did with Jesus. They were impressed with his authority. They say he speaks as one with authority, you know. And so uh, Luke ten nineteen says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, that's a good verse to have. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. And Acts ten thirty eight. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. You know, these scriptures, these are preach. You can preach these scriptures. This is New Testament stuff. Uh, praise the Lord. Healing all. You know, and I, we've been doing a, a Love of God School a class. At least I have been leading one on... Uh, God's provision for healing. And you know, this, this, this Bible is packed with examples of healing. I mean, there's not just a few scriptures. It is loaded with examples of healing all the way through it. I mean, Jesus would go up and he, he'd put his hands and his fingers in a guy's ear and he would start hearing. I mean, uh, just amazing, amazing. So, uh, when Jesus was anointed... He didn't need to be re-anointed. Once he was anointed, and he, was, he knew why he was there. He knew what his mission was, and what, would it, what did he start to do? He was healing all that were oppressed. There was a woman that went out into the crowd. I'm getting off my subject tonight, but it's good stuff. There was a woman that pressed through a crowd and touched the hem of his garment, and he didn't even know she was coming up behind him because he said, well, who, did, who, who touched me? He didn't even know. Okay, she did that with her faith. And we can do that. Just what we did a while ago was by faith. We just reached out and touched the hem of his garment a while ago, you know, and received uh, healing for our bodies. And there were there were multitudes of people that would would uh, seek after him and say, can we touch the hem of your garment? Because all they had to do was touch the hem of his garment. and They were healed. Praise the Lord. So anyway, that's good. And then Luke four eighteen nineteen, that Luke 4 is where that anointing was declared by Jesus. said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty all who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So that's what Jesus came to do. And in Acts 10, 38, boy, he was doing it. He was doing it. He hit the ground running. They had the whole Asia Minor was just 
Everybody knew the gospel. Everybody, everybody. There was no one that was, was ignorant of the, the truth. And then uh, Mark 16, you know, before Jesus left and he ascended, he gave these orders. He said, and these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in, with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly, uh, anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And there it is again. That point of contact sometimes is where healing takes place. You see that? The woman with the issue of blood. You see that? And, and Jesus putting his fingers in his ear. Now, he didn't always touch people. He didn't always touch people. So we're led of the Holy Spirit. But keep that in mind that that's a, that's a powerful. Uh, the laying on of hands is a powerful way to, to help people to come into faith and receive healing in their bodies. And then Mark eleven twenty three twenty four. Has anybody ever read Mark eleven twenty three twenty four? You know, I mean, we're in a word of faith church here, and we we emphasize uh, authority, spiritual authority, and words of faith. And and like next Wednesday it will be my last Wednesday to talk about this subject, and I really want to get into talking about words a lot. And so it's, it's going to be encouraging. Try to make it next Wednesday if you can. But tonight, um, well, let me go ahead and read Mark eleven twenty three twenty four 24, since I got you queued up here for, okay, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, believe, but believes those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Now that is authority, Right? That's authority under God. That's authority under his word. And 24, verse 24, therefore I say to you, therefore, now this is, okay, now I'm telling you what to do here, okay? Whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Okay, so we prayed for healing a while ago, so what are we to do next? Believe, right. Believe, that's right. Okay, so... Uh, in Matthew, uh, Mark uh, 3.25, it says, If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. I wanted to talk just a little bit about uh, Satan. Not much, but I want to talk a little bit about Satan. Because he's the one that develops devices. He lies. He has, he has uh, wiles. The Bible says the wiles of the devil. Okay, why, it wouldn't tell us and warn us about these things if it didn't exist. Okay, we got through talking last week about how he deceived Eve in the garden and how Adam disobeyed God, and we talked also about uh, the command by God to Adam and Eve. And in case anybody didn't make it last week, here's one verse that really covers a lot of what I meant last to cover last week, and that's. Uh, Genesis 1, 28. Then God blessed them. He's talking about Adam and Eve. God blessed them. Perhaps the first words that they ever heard from the mouth of God or anyone was words of blessing. They did not know anything about death or sickness or anything like that. They were perfectly whole and perfectly well, and God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it, 
have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So he said, subdue it and have dominion over it. Those are power words that tell us that even today we are still under this command, even today, to fill the earth, to be fruitful, to subdue the earth, to increase and have dominion over the earth. So uh, some of you, you got a situation in your life where uh, uh, there's a lot of noise. I was talking to James Johnson earlier before service. He was talking about finding a place where there's some peace, you know. And so when you're in a situation, there's a lot of noise, and there's a lot of voices, and there's a lot of you know, people pulling on you here, people, you got this to do, you got that to do. You know, someplace in our life, we have to settle down and find a place of peace and say, God, you told me, you told me to be blessed. You told me to multiply. You told me to fill the earth. You told me to subdue. You told me to take dominion. And I'm in Jesus' name. I am going to walk out what you called me to do. Each individual has a responsibility to do that in, your, in the scope of your little world. Okay, praise the Lord. So, but, okay, so what is up with uh, Satan, okay, the devil? So Isaiah 14, we get a a little picture of the devil. I just want to read a couple verses here. Isaiah 14, verse 12. It says, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. Well, it says, O Lucifer, we're talking about the devil here, right? I'm not talking about a man. Okay, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. Man, what is going on in the world today? Have you ever seen so much weakness and devastation across the world? But you who weaken the nations, verse 13, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will set on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. Now, uh, by the way, he didn't accomplish that mission. He did not get there, okay? Now, let's go to uh, Ezekiel 28. And I'm going to go to, let me just turn there right quick. Ezekiel. I think I'm looking for verse 13 here. Let's see. Okay. So Ezekiel 28, verse 13. Now, you listen, you listen to this and see who you think this is talking about, okay? You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardis, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. This... Whoever's talking about here was created. Got that? They were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. Oh, wait a minute. What's a cherub? A cherub is a a level of angel that's a high level that's a guardian over a certain area. They have a responsibility. Okay? On the Ark of the Covenant, there was images of two cherubim that were facing each other on on uh, on the top. Okay? And so that's a very important place. So, you were 
You were the anointed cherub that covers. I establish you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walk back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You are perfect in all. You were perfect in all your ways from the day you were created. He was created. See, till iniquity was found in you by the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God and I destroyed you. O covering cherub from the midst of the fiery stones. Okay, so let's see. One more verse there. It says, For your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. Now, so Satan, one of the things Satan says, and we read that in Isaiah 14. He said to himself, in his heart, he said, I'm going to ascend to the heaven and I will exalt my throne above the stars. Satan was a self-exalting, uh, self-promoting, created being. <laughs> In other words, God created him. God made him beautiful. God gave him all these gifts. He was at the, one of the highest levels, if not the highest level, of angel, angelic being anywhere and he got pride inside of him, and he started looking in the mirror, and he thought he was hot stuff. And so he decided to promote himself. When he did that, he came out from under the authority of God, and things went really wrong for him. Uh, so if you go back to Isaiah, you find out that, uh, if you read on down, you find out that he was cast down, and he's going to go clear to Sheol. He's going to go to the pit. He's going to go to the bottom. Okay, so Satan went from the very top in authority to the very bottom, and that's where he is right now. Okay, that's why we can read that we will trample on serpents. Okay, that's why we have all authority, and nothing shall by any means harm us, because we have the authority, and he does not. Okay, now for a time... He was able to have authority on the earth from Adam until Jesus showed up. When Jesus showed up anointed and started taking authority back, and then when he went to the cross and he went into the heart of the earth, you might say he captured the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And he handed those keys. He, took, he got those keys back, and he handed them to us. He handed those keys back to us. So we have the keys uh, to authority. We have, the, we have the authority in our possession. Praise the Lord. Okay. Now, some people understand authority and some people do not. And so I want to talk about a couple of examples here. Now, in 1 Samuel fifteen twenty two, and I don't want to go into this whole story, but there was a king, his name was Saul, and he had disobeyed the Lord. Okay? And Samuel said these words. He said, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. The key thing here in authority is to be obedient. It's just that simple. The key thing is to just be obedient. You know, just like your hands and your body obeys your mind, your head. We should be obedient to the Lord. Okay? We should be obedient to the, to the Word. All right. Now, others have rebelled 
uh, and they're, they're, they're used as examples in Scripture. For example, Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. One of those sons was rebellious, and his name was Ham. When his father, in Genesis 9.20, I don't want to read all this because it's, I don't really have the time, but Genesis 9.20, Father Noah actually got drunk, okay? He got drunk, okay? Well, two of his sons, they wanted to cover their father and protect him and defend him. But the one son, Ham, was quick to go out and announce, Hey, 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 look, look, look at Dad. Look at, look at my father. Look at him. He's drunk. You see the difference? One, one person is there to protect and defend and care for leadership and respect the authority. See, their father was in authority over them. Okay? All right? He was a man to be honored. Now, he might have had a weakness or done something wrong. But you see the difference between Ham and Shem and Japheth. You see? So that's one example. Spiritual authority is not something one attains by effort or ability. Um, Just because you are the most capable or the most able to do something doesn't mean you have spiritual authority to do that. You, You have to be given spiritual authority, you know. Promotion comes from the Lord. It is not from us. Now, the world, if you go by the world system, you'll be confused. Because if you go by the world system, well, they try to promote themselves. You've got to get out there. You know, you've got to know people. You've got to ask them, you know, give me that job. Give me this, you know, promotion. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't, you know, communicate with your bosses and things like that. I'm not saying you just sit back and you don't do anything. But I'm saying self-exaltation or self-promotion can be a real problem. It can be a real problem because uh, it doesn't seem to be the way the kingdom of God operates. And the reason I say that is because Jesus did not promote himself. I'm going to give you some scriptures here as we go through and maybe you can kind of see that. Okay. So when you hear somebody or you say to yourself or you hear somebody say, well, I can do that or I can do that. The question is, who has been given the authority? It's not just strictly who is able to do something that should be doing it, you know. Now, we have an example of this in number 16. And this is probably one of the most um, dramatic examples in Scripture of direct spiritual authority uh, on, it's a a man named Korah. Let me go there. I'm going to go to, uh, I'm going to go to number 16, verse 1. Now, the, the setting here is Moses is called by God and empowered to lead the people to the promised land. That's where they're heading. They're heading to the promised land. He's leading a nation to the promised land. He, and Moses grew up in the Egyptians, uh, in the Pharaoh's palace. He's taught the language. He's been prepared. He's been in the desert for 40 years. God spoke to him through a burning bush. I mean, 
if there's anybody called, he's called, right? He's like a friend with God. He sits and talks to God almost like he's a friend. Okay, so then here's what we have. Korah, the son of Izhar and the son of uh, Kohath, the son of Levi and Dathan and Abram. Uh, I'm sorry, Abram, the sons of Eliab and On, the son of Pella, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses and some of the children of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. Now get that. These are, this is not just Korah's going out and getting a few hundred people together and they're going to go talk to Moses. No, these are the men of renown. These are Moses' top leaders in the nation. Okay? So they're going there. And they gathered together and they said against Moses and Aaron. And they said to them, You take too much upon yourselves for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? And so when Moses heard it, he fell on his face. Well, okay, first of all, the scripture says that Moses was one of the most humble men on the planet. Okay? Moses was not one to be, to exalt himself. He, Moses was placed in this position by God. He was called to be God. So, but the, notice these men. They think that they can do the same things Moses can do. And so they're out to basically change the whole order of leadership. And I, honestly, I don't know where they're heading with this. I don't know who they think is supposed to do what. But they don't seem to have one clue about spiritual authority and authority under God. I mean, they don't know what they're getting into. Okay? Because they have verbally declared this. And they've come out publicly and approached Moses. Now, so I'm going to. Uh, let's see on verse 5 then it says and he spoke to Korah and his company saying tomorrow morning the Lord will show us who is his and who is holy and will cause him to come near to him that that the one he chooses will he cause to come near to him now I'm going to skip all the way over to verse 28 and Moses said by this shall you know that the Lord has sent me to do these works and he's saying now you're going to know that I'm the one Okay, you're going to know that I'm the one. And here's how. For I have not done them of my own will. See that? He didn't promote himself. He didn't self-promote. He's called to this position. Now, verse 29. If these men die naturally like all men, or if they're visited by a common fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. So if they die a natural death, then Moses is not called. It's what he's saying. He's, he's the imposter. He's in the wrong position, okay? But if the Lord creates a new thing and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them and they go down alive into the pit, then you'll understand that these men have rejected the Lord. And now it came to pass as he finished speaking all these words that the ground split apart under them and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up and their households and the men with Korah with all their goods. So they... They and all those with them went down alive into the pit. The earth closed back up over them, and they perished from among the assembly. Then the Israel who were around them fled at their cry, for they said, Lest the earth swallow us up 
also. I mean, people were running now. Now they don't want to be associated with Cora and company any longer, right? So, okay, so this is a very dramatic thing, and I don't know that God's ever done this since, okay? But here's an example of how Moses is a, uh, an authority under God, and these men are in authority under Moses. And they need to stay in their position, don't they? They need to stay in their position. And don't come against an authority like that because when, when they came against God's delegated authority, God considered it them coming against his authority. He considered them coming directly against him, himself. So just like Satan, Satan didn't make it either, right? So uh, why am I telling all, you're probably some of the best people on the planet. Why am I telling you this story? <laughs> you know, only, it's only to illustrate that delegated authority is important to God. People that are called, our pastors and our leaders, uh, Pastor Albert Monica and Scott Mill, our full-time pastoral leaders, they are important. They are gifts to us, okay? So what we want to do, we want to stay in position. We want to get in our position, what God's called us to do. We want to keep our position underneath their leadership, and we want to let God work through us. Because really, these men that came against Moses... They already had pretty high position. They were functioning in ministry. They were doing things. It's just that they got in their head they were supposed to be number one, you know? So, okay. So now, First uh, Peter one I'll just read this to you. It says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, Love one another fervently with a pure heart. Let's think about what a contrast. If the, if these men had just focused on love, if they would have just focused on, uh, I mean, they could have gone to Moses, talked to him privately, or they could have, you know, there's other ways they could have talked to Moses about things that were they were thinking, but they did not approach it with love, did they? No, they did not approach it with love. So, today many people try to serve God independently without being under the proper delegated authority and therefore unwittingly or unintentionally, they sin against God's authority. So, be careful of trying to be your own island and, you know, know, pull yourself out from under authority because it's not good. Okay, Moses was a delegated authority by God. When we rebel against delegated authority from God, it's the same as rebelling against God's direct authority. Now, the eyes of faith see a better promise ahead and reason or human intellect and rebellion or thinking. Uh, reason and rebellion get men into trouble. Many times, it's not that we're supposed to check our brain out, you know, and not think. But sometimes human reasoning can really get us in trouble. And that's why I talked last week something about taking thoughts captive. You know, pulling down 
arguments and imaginations that would set themselves against you and pulling down strongholds, okay? So the enemy, you know, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, you know, that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So we have to stay strong in the Lord. We have to keep the full armor of God on. We have to protect our head. We have to protect the breastplate, you know, and the, the above all, the shield of faith. <laughs> Don't forget, the shield of faith. So you can defend yourself against thoughts that might start something. Because every one of these horrible situations like we just read with Cor, it started with a thought, didn't it? It started with one thought. It just started with a random thought that came into one of them's mind. And then it built and built and built. Okay? So, now, let me give you an example of a man who understood authority. And this is at 1 Samuel 26, verse 7. I'll just read you a little excerpt from a story where Saul, King Saul, was trying to kill David. And here's David... He's, he's got a position on Saul now. So here, here it is. So David and Abishai came to the people at, by night. And there Saul lies sleeping within the camp with his spear stuck in the ground by his head. They got Saul sleeping with his spear right by his head. And Abner, the people lay all around him. Well, Abner's supposed to be protecting Saul. He's sleeping too, see? So they got them all sleeping. Okay, then verse 8. Then Abishai said to David, God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. Now therefore, please, let me strike him at once with a spear right into to the earth, and I will not have to strike him a second time. He said, just let me nail him. Just let me get him. I can, I can, I can take him out real quick, and you will never have to deal with him again. That's one problem that's gone out of your life, you know. But David said to Abishai, Do not destroy him, for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David said, No. And then if you read on, he went on to say, Now, he'll go into battle and he'll be killed or he'll live out a normal life and he'll die. He'll die of some cause, but it's not going to be because of me. That's not going to be on my watch, on my, on my name, okay? So, this is an amazing story. Amazing story. The guy's trying to kill him. David's already been anointed. God's already chosen him. But he respects the authority there. You see that? So that's an extremely good example of that. Okay, Jesus... Instead of remaining as God in authority, came to man's side. And in Philippians 2.6 it says, And being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant, and coming into the likeness of men. Praise the Lord. So Jesus... He took himself of no reputation. He did not. He actually emptied himself of deity in order to walk with us. And 
if that's not an example of authority on earth, that's an example of authority on earth. I mean, he wouldn't do anything without the Father God saying, do it or don't do it. Okay? Let me give you an example of this. Okay. In Matthew 20, 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons, that should be James and John, right? Zeb, the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus or came to him with her sons kneeling down and asked something from him. And he said to her, her what do you wish? And she said to him, grant that these two sons may set one on your right hand and one on, the other on your left in your kingdom. Well, now that's a good mom, isn't it? She's looking out for her boys. She's trying to lock in a position for them. And they're good men, aren't they? Yeah, they're disciples. They follow Jesus. They are, you know. Okay. But how do you think Jesus answered that? Okay. So verse 22 says, But Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized in the baptism that I'm baptized with? Now, Jesus had just before this told them that he was going to be taken, he was going to be scourged, he was going to die on a cross. I mean, he was talking to them about some heavy stuff. Okay? I'm going to raise on the third day. He was telling them what was getting ready to happen. And then here's the mother of Zebedee's sons. He's got this idea. And she comes in and he hears her out. And then he says, now he does a little teaching here. I think this is good teaching. Uh, well, he asked him a question if they can drink the cup that he's drinking. And, and they said to him, we're able. I mean, do they know what they're... They don't know what they're talking about, do they? Okay, verse 25. But Jesus called them to himself and he said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them, yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to become first among you, let him be your slave. Just as, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Praise the Lord. Now that's pretty good teaching right there. That's pretty good teaching. And, and it comes out of this example of this mother coming to him. Asking him for a position for her sons. And, uh, you know, one day we'll get to heaven and there'll be some little boy or little girl that left the earth a little early and they grew up in heaven. And we'll probably find out that they've been trained to rule nations. <laughs> and they're all grown up now and they're ready to come back with Jesus. I mean, we're going to learn a whole lot of things as we go through life, you know. God is going to... All the places and, and the things that we think, well, I can do this or I can do that. And maybe we don't know what we're saying. Like, can you drink the cup that I'm drinking? And these guys say, we're able. No. Be, be careful. <laughs> be careful of that. So, uh, this is not a kingdom of big shots and braggarts. But where one person or not where one person lords it over another. That's not the way the kingdom of God works. It just doesn't work that way. But the least is the greatest in heaven. If you desire to become great, be a servant. The, the word says, 
that if you're faithful over a few things, he will make you ruler over many things. The Lord has declared that he is the God of promotion. God will promote. God will decide when you need to move up or what you need to be doing. He will put you in the positions you need to be in. You don't have to worry about all that. He'll take care of all that. Your focus needs to be to be faithful in the things he's given you to do. Okay? All right. So, a couple of things about authority in the government area in Romans 13, 1. Let every soul be a subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Did everybody hear that? The authorities that exist are appointed by God. So we are subject to those authorities. Okay? Now, uh, in the family, okay, Ephesians 6. Now, I'm, I'm kind of hitting these really light, so, but I just want to hit these areas. In the family, there's such a thing as authority in the family. Now, Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. And you fathers, do not provoke provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Look at that. Responsibility on the father, right? The responsibility on their father. Those children need to be brought up in the training and admonition of the Lord. They need to be taught to obey their parents, okay? This is where the training of authority starts. And if parents miss it at this level, then those kids could have a real rough load in, uh, a road to, to walk in life because they may, they may violate authorities and they can get in all kinds of trouble, right? So there is authority in the family. For the husband, let's see, Ephesians five twenty three says, for the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is head of the church. Now, all the women that are married, you should say, praise the Lord. You know, that's... Um, he's the head, he's responsible to God, I'm going to let him be in that position. You know, that shouldn't be something you argue about. Now, of course, there's some conflict here. When You know, what if you have uh, a husband that doesn't serve the Lord, is an unbeliever or doesn't serve the Lord? Then the, the wife becomes a spiritual leader in the family, right? So... There's a level of authority in governments, and then there's a level of authority in the family, and then there's a level of authority in the church, okay? Uh, so I'm going to go to uh, 1 Corinthians 12. And, of course, this, this, uh, this chapter talks about spiritual gifts. And then it says, um, then it talks about, let's see here, make sure I get in the right place. In verse 12, okay, so 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many 
are one body, so also is Christ. So the body of Christ has many members, right? The body, body of Christ has many, many men, members. Okay? And verse 13, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And so it goes on and talks about different parts of the body and how we need each other. Okay? Okay. Now, I want to go to um, Ephesians 4. And I'm going to start with verse... Uh, I'm going to start with verse 9, so Ephesians 4, 9. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he himself, now who's that? Jesus, right? He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Okay, so who's the head? Well, it's Christ. Christ is the head. Christ gives the orders. Okay? Now, a while ago, when I was talking about the mother of the sons of Zebedee, if you read on in there, Jesus said, now, I can't answer the question, can one sit on your right and one sit on your left? Do you know why Jesus couldn't answer the question? He did not have the authority to make that decision. <laughs> you see? I mean, she's going to who she thinks is the top, and he's not the top. It's the Father. It's another tear up. There are things that the Father knows that even Jesus doesn't know, even to this day. But you have to realize, you know, Jesus is given a name. He's at seat at the right hand of the Father. He has authority over all of heaven and all of earth. Okay? So, uh, when Jesus sets uh, these ministry gifts, the fivefold ministry in the church, it's for our blessing and our help. It's to our benefit. These are gifts to us. Okay? And so, what we should do is, as the body, we work with them 
and we work under their authority, okay? And we, we let the whole body work efficiently and effectively and just flow, and everything works so well. Like when I came in here tonight, okay, the first thing I had was authority to help me get into the parking lot. The first thing I had was a man go put his hand out and let me turn my car in front of an oncoming, you know, lanes and come in the parking lot. The second thing I needed, I needed a microphone tonight, okay? I didn't have one. But Kevin back there, he came up with the microphone, helped me get it set, ready to roll, okay? Uh, We have ushers doing things. Scott's back here doing a class. Uh, pastor's here and Monica's here and we're doing the offering and we're praying together. The function of the church is it's an amazing thing. Okay? And we're not to think lightly of it. You know, like when we stood up uh, a while ago and we prayed for people to be healed, don't think lightly of that. That's very important. Okay? Wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, Jesus said, I'm there. You may not realize, Jesus is here too. He's here, okay? And so, now, let's talk about relationships between parts of the body. Now, you know the whole body, the physical body, is a lot of bones, one stacked on top of the other, right? But they're all joined. I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a doctor, you know, I don't know anatomy, But as far as I know, there's not a bone that's just out there not connected. All the bones are connected. Is that right? And they all have a function. And so, biblically, the Lord used that as an example of how the church should work. Okay? And then it says, uh, in this verse in Ephesians, it talks about, uh, I'm going to start in verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. And then verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth in the body for the edifying of itself in love. We are responsible for our own growth. You see that? But simply by working together and working in harmony, we are responsible for our own growth. Uh, I was so uh, moved Sunday, last Sunday, when they honored the keepers of the temple because that's a group of people that don't get much attention, you know? And they're so faithful and they're so important, okay? And, And it just... And I thought, now this is the way the body of Christ should be. This is the way it should be. This is the way it should operate. You know, we should respect each other. And from whom, okay, so each joint supplies something, right? Each joint, the, the place where we rub together or come together, there's a supply, okay? Sometimes members of the body refuse the supply from another member. Sometimes there's an offense. Sometimes there's a little rub there. And some, one personality rubs you the wrong way or something, or somebody offends you or says something to you. And you can have your feelings hurt, and there can be an offense set up. Something that bothers you, and it just stays there and stays there and stays there. 
And you need to get rid of that, you know? Because uh, is it true that we're all different? And is it true some are quiet and some are loud? And some are, you know, flamboyant and in your face and some are not. And yeah, we're different. We're different. But we work together in the position God put us in, right? And then what happens? The body enlarges and increase, uh, increases and grows, okay? I mean, the Lord told me, he said, the best days are ahead for this church. I want you to look at where this church is geographically located. I don't know if there's another place that's better. We are located in the most perfect place for growth. I mean, uh, this didn't happen by accident, did it? It didn't happen. It happened because a man of God stood in faith, stood in his position, and, and only pastor would know some of the battles that had to be fought to get us here. And, but praise the Lord, you know, I just walk in here and here's church, you know, and, and, and I'm learning word of faith and, and I'm learning about authority and I'm taking classes and doing the things that the church does to help me. And I'm starting to grow and I'm getting into a position and now I'm in a place in my life when I really need to be helping somebody else. You know, I really need to be passing this on. Because there's a lot of people, they don't understand spiritual authority. And they don't understand the church and the body of Christ and the way it's supposed to function. But let me just ask you a couple of questions, okay, that we all need to ask ourselves. The first question, is this my church? Is this your church? It may be your church. It may not be your church. It doesn't have to be your church. But once you make the decision, is this my local church? Okay. Then you have to make a decision. Is Pastor Albert my pastor? Okay. You have to say, is he my pastor? Okay. When you say that, then you receive the word that he has for you can receive the benefit of the word and you come under his authority okay then you have to say okay is scott my pastor is scott my pastor i want to tell you scott has a preaching anointing on him he has a way of preaching and describing things and defining things that's far beyond me i mean it's 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 not you know he's got a gift and calling that's unique and if, if anyone was called to preach and to lead this church, it's Scott. He's the one, okay? He is the one. And so what I'm doing, you know what I've decided? Uh, I, I was under Pastor Albert for a long time. So I had to kind of get used to Scott. You know what I mean? Uh, he's, he's got a different style. But I decided, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put myself under his authority because I want to receive what he has, you know? And I want to receive everything the Holy Ghost has. I want the gifts of the Spirit to flow. I want everything to work efficiently and ready the way it's supposed to. So try to answer those questions and see if you can, uh, if you can say yes to those questions. Then the next thing you've got to do is take thoughts captive. Keep the full armor of God on. Stay in your position spiritually. If there's a disagreement or any kind of disagreement where you disagree with someone 
or you disagree with the way something's being done, a good idea is to hold it to yourself and don't go public, okay? Don't go public with it. Don't do what Corin Company did, okay? Don't do that. But just pray about it and try to stay in biblical order under the authorities that you're under. Try to stay in biblical position. Because remember, some of the thoughts you may have of what you think's right and wrong, it may be the enemy trying to do something there. And you don't want to get out of biblical, you don't want to get out from under authority and, 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 uh, and it could wind up hurting you, see? So, let me just summarize real quick some of the things that I want to, uh, I want to leave you with. Okay, the body of Christ is subject to the head, and the head is Christ, right? Okay, when you start reasoning to yourself, that can replace obedience to authority, and it can result in rebellion. You just have to be careful of just reasoning, reasoning, and thinking. Take thoughts captive if they're coming against your authority and your leadership, or someone in leadership. Bind those things. Cast them out. Don't let them stay there. Okay? Uh, rebellious people always speak out their opposition after much reasoning. So they'll think and think and think. And then pretty soon they'll just go public. They'll announce. And they'll, you know. And so you've got to watch for that. We are faith and obedience people, not reasoning and not contentious people. We are not contentious people. We are people that love one another. We are people that need one another. You know, so we want to stay in that position. You are only in authority if you are under authority. Everyone is under authority. No one is left out. Okay. Okay. You can still stay in your position in biblical authority and under biblical authority even if you don't agree with everything. You see that? Now just think about on your job at work. You may see some things on your job you don't agree with, but you don't just run in and hammer your boss, right? Hope you don't. (laughs) You know, so keep that in mind. Okay, we must stand against the wiles of the devil, and this is from Ephesians 6, Understand his methodia, his trickery, how he lies in wait to see if he can get someone to take a thought that's twisted or a lie that's not really right. Okay. We are not ignorant of Satan's devices. Second Corinthians two eleven. This word uh, no noema n o e m a. It means intellect or mind Satan's mind games so we are not ignorant of Satan's mind games and every image or argument that's in our mind we have to take control of it okay and we do not we pull down strongholds that would hem us in and box us in and take our freedom from us and and inhibit our our ministry that the Lord has put us in okay So we take control of strongholds. We cast down imaginations. We bring thoughts and reasonings into subjection under the word. Praise the Lord. 
Okay. So that's kind of what I had for tonight. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something from it. It's a little, I'm a little hard on you. You know, it's not just praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. But these are good. This is a good foundation for biblical authority. And God wants to bless you. And God has so many good things ahead for this church and for us. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Mike. Okay. Praise the Lord. Prayer leaders, if you'd please come. Those who are serving tonight. Uh, if you need prayer before you leave, then just, um, you know, what you do. You come up. Amen. And let the Lord minister to you. Praise the Lord. Okay. Good message. Good, good, uh, good lesson. Good teaching. Reminding us the authority, the, the lines of authority, the order, order. God's all in heat. Anyway, but I don't want to preach it again. Okay. I'll see you on Sunday. It's hard for me not to do that, but anyway. God bless you. We love you guys. See you Sunday. Okay. Be blessed.